There is much to be said about the bravery and sacrifice of those who have served in our armed forces, many of whom have paid the ultimate price. This week, we remembered them with Anzac Day, and I honour them by contradicting those who invoke their memory in the name of blind obedience to government overreach, surrendering God-given liberty, and worst of all, safety. It was not dreams of safety that motivated the Anzacs to answer the call to arms, unless it was safety from the looming spectre of tyrannical governments which trampled individual freedom and hoarded unnatural power over other men and their families and property. Give me liberty or give me death was the driving goal of modern democracy's foundation. It is the dream of freedom that inspired countless people throughout history to shake off the shackles of tyranny, laying down their lives in hopes of a better world and nation for their children's children. If you haven't seen the movie Braveheart with Mel Gibson, I highly recommend it. If you have, you'll remember these two scenes at either end of the movie, exquisitely summarising his inspiring life. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take Just say it. Cry out. Mercy. Just say it. Mercy. 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 Jesus, mercy. The prisoner wishes to say a word. No legendary warrior or hero ever inspired anyone with guttural cries of safety. Freedom is the cause to which men rally and lay down their lives. Coming up in this episode, I sit down with the popular Australian freedom fighter, Topher Field, to discuss his new independent media platform. So stay tuned for that. I'm Dave Pellow, and this is The Church and State Show. May all that you stand for, and that we stand for, be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law, and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Welcome to the Church and State Show, where we examine our culture and important public issues through the lens of Scripture. I believe that absolute truth is discoverable, 
and I advocate for objective morality and encourage viewers to not just be spectators, but influencers in the future we leave our children. What I have learned about my fellow countrymen this decade is lamentable. I've observed, as have you most likely, that the majority of Australians have no appreciation for freedom which would translate into any kind of action to defend it. Indeed, many expressed scorn for the people protesting compulsory lockdowns and mandatory medication. Many Australians literally turned on their neighbours and reported them to police for breaking bad regulations. Given the choice between the mere illusion of safety and the real violation of fundamental human freedoms, the majority of Aussies said, forget your freedom, promise me safety. Those who still consider the lying harlot media to be an honest and integrous source of news and reports of government policies consider freedom to be a disposable luxury, but universal safety the highest priority of every government, no matter the national cost. But nothing could be further from the truth. Freedom is not disposable. Most Australians would still give lip service without understanding to the importance of democracy, if not freedom. But what we need to teach our children and indeed each other is there can be no democracy of any decent quality without freedom. You see, democracy can be just as oppressive and malevolent as a Middle Eastern dictator when the people in any democracy replace virtue with virtue signalling, morality with immorality, and their love of liberty with lust for power exercised vicariously through big government. To nourish and sustain social prosperity across all measures in democracy, there are three indispensable requirements. Osginus describes the golden triangle of democracy as freedom, virtue, and faith. Freedom requires virtue, virtue requires faith, and faith requires freedom. Democracy is at its heart and origins literally a Judeo-Christian system by which people govern themselves. Civil authority is minimal, as described in Scripture, to punish the evildoer and reward the good. It was God, through Moses, who first established the consent of the governed instead of slavery and subjugation. Moses received the law from God on Mount Sinai and then read it to the people who voluntarily responded, quote, We are willing to do and obey all that the Lord has spoken, end quote. Allow me to define some terms. An ecclesiocracy is the rule of a church or those in charge of a religion over a nation acting as the government. But what ancient Israel had with God was a true theocracy, a free will submission to the will and ways of God's kingdom. It struck the perfect balance between authoritarianism and anarchy. Authoritarianism is the compulsory ordering and regulation of all aspects of a society with little to no freedom. And at its polar opposite is anarchy, complete freedom without any order or authority. Democracy is also a balance of ordered freedom, but without the stabilizing morality of the kingdom of God, 
History observes democracies teetering like a drunk between the extremes of authoritarianism and licentious anarchy, collapsing into mob rule. So a democracy is always a reflection of the hearts of the people, where the hearts of the people are humbled before Almighty God and inclined to His word, the democracy is theocratic, bringing godly order to freedom. Where the hearts of the people are filled with greed and steal from people who have worked to give to those who refuse to work, you get democratic socialism, people giving up their freedom in exchange for a government wielding power on their behalf. There are good and bad democracies, and Jesus was scathing in his review of what ancient Israel had done with the law he gave them at Sinai, becoming an oppressively regulated society. Without freedom, we can have no meaningful belief system arrived at without coercion. The freedom to not believe and do whatever we're told to do is the only thing which makes faith resulting in right belief and behaviour of any meaningful value. A faith without the freedom to doubt is not a genuine faith, but mere obedience to a bully with power. But without free faith, virtue is also impossible. Convictions freely arrived at compel better behaviour than big government can ever regulate through a mountain of increasingly petty bans on unapproved ideas and beliefs. Indeed, it is a type of oppressive ecclesiocracy which now demands compliance with the creeds and confessions of the false religions of wokeism, environmentalism, hedonism and transgenderism. This is obviously a terrible result of a democracy filled with virtue signalling, amoral bullies who hate anyone enjoying the freedom to disagree with their dogma or disobey their demands. One such person fighting for your and my freedom is Topher Field. And this is how he launched the independent media platform, The Aussie Wire, on Anzac Day this week. Welcome to The Aussie Wire. My name is Topher Field and it gives me great pleasure to announce the official launch of The Aussie Wire. The fact is that Australia is a truly incredible place to live. Being born here or emigrating here is like winning the lottery and we have a lot to be thankful for. And so much of that thanks should go to our military veterans who paid such a high price for the benefit of all of us. But that's also why it's so important to protect the rights and freedoms that they fought for. Thankfully, you and I don't have to fight in a war to protect our freedoms, at least not right now. But our rights and freedoms are being eroded and stolen in far more subtle ways. The very same politicians who stood today at war memorials and spoke of freedom and sacrifice are the same politicians who are taking and eroding our freedoms, often for their own self-interest. And sadly, the mainstream media, or dinosaur media as I like to call them, have been willing accomplices, or at best just useful idiots. They've failed utterly to hold our political class to account. They've failed to keep us informed so we can hold them to account. And they have participated in the spread of lies, misinformation and distractions that have helped those in power to do what they've done. Okay, well joining me now is veteran 13 years of uh, independent commentary. Now I've got a lot of respect for anybody who started in the last decade prior to COVID hysteria. Uh, and during that period, it was pretty much easy for anybody right of Stalin to come on and say freedom and gain 10,000 followers. Uh, but 
I've got a lot of respect for those people who've been doing it long before then for the hard slog. And I think those parties and, and uh, pundits deserve uh, a lot of uh, credibility in for their for their experience and also their prescience in saying there are important things we need to fight for. One of those guys is my next guest, Topher Field, who's been doing this for 13 years, long before me. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I first started, it was an honor that he would even uh, take my phone call. So welcome to the Church and State Show, Topher Field. David, thank you so much. Uh, it's not often that I get to say that I'm cool, but I can say that I was fighting for freedom before it was cool. So that's my that's my one claim to fame. <laughs> it was. And, uh, you know, it was also very impressive. You had a very high level of uh, production quality way back then. You know, were, these were quality documentaries with with uh, scripts and uh, a plan that you worked to, not just off-the-cuff live streaming, um, but they deserved the very high YouTube views uh, that they've got. So you really cut your teeth uh, by setting a very high standard. And, of course, uh, it's great to have you on the Church and State Show now, just uh, a few days after you've launched, finally, what we've been waiting for for a long time, uh, the Aussie Wire, another high production quality media platform, um, very much focused on all the things that independent media needs to be today as a solution to the cancer that I call the lying harlot media. They're both maliciously deceitful and uh, commercially unfaithful. Um, so I think they earn that title in a, in a very non-hyperbolic way, technically accurate. Um, so tell us about the Aussie Wire. Tell us uh, what the mission is, what the sure. ethos is, and, uh, and sure. why people should be tuning in. Well, can I, can I, to answer that question, can I springboard off something that happened earlier this week, which was uh, the announcement that Tucker Carlson is leaving Fox News. For a long time, people have looked at places like Fox News and places like Sky News in Australia, et cetera, as sort of these, these truth-based, freedom-fighting news networks. They're, they're the ones for us, the freedom fighters. And those of us who are deeper in the game uh, and, and deeper in the fight have known for a long time that that's not actually true. But what we've just seen with this Tucker Carlson parting ways from Fox News, as well as Don Bongino, who... Uh, uh, only a few days before that, announced that he he wasn't continuing with Fox News. Um, we're seeing that actually the really good freedom fighters, the ones that really are actually speaking up, are not welcome at Fox News. And and I would argue they're not welcome at Sky. We've seen people being deplatformed off Sky for daring to go to places that they're not supposed to go. In Tucker Carlson's case, it was a very specific thing. He dared only about a week before he was terminated to call out the media, including Fox News, for spreading misinformation about the vaccines. And he put it down to that the cause for this spread of misinformation, according to him, was that they depended on pharmaceutical companies for their advertising revenue. Now, I think he's absolutely spot on. The reason they acted with so little curiosity and they had so little investigative rigor in what they said about those vaccines is because they depend on those very same manufacturers for pretty much their lifeblood, which is their advertising revenue. A week later, he's gone. I don't think that's a coincidence. So what we have is a situation where even the side of the media that that many people tell themselves is pro-freedom and is pro-truth is now showing itself to very much not be. And there are places you must not go or you will lose your job. And we've seen that with Tucker Carlson. I mean, Tucker Carlson is one of, if not the biggest single personalities on American television in terms of the size of his audience and the influence that he has. For him to be terminated means no one is safe. 
right? So it's in that context and in that world, and I've known this for a long time, and, and I'm sure you have too, and anyone really paying attention has understood this for a long time, but it's now becoming very, very public. It's in that context, and, and for reasons that I talk about in a blog post that I posted on the um, that I have known for a while that we need to start something in Australia that is all about truth, freedom, and hope. And we'll talk about those a little bit later on. But that's the ethos that, that drives us. And what we want to do here at the Aussie Wire is to actually bring together a lot of the existing, incredibly talented, incredibly ethical, hardworking alternative media, Australians and, and people overseas as well, into a hub. We're not here to to say, oh, you know, Dave Pello from The Good Source and, and ADH TV, you have to come and be a part of us. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. We just want to have your people on our show and, and maybe vice versa and grow together. You have your own identity. You have your own focus. You have your own brand. That's a fantastic thing. Let's work together and let's build each other up and let's actually establish the alternative media as a genuine viable alternative to the, the lying harlot media. I think it, it is a valid and technically accurate description. I agree. It's not actually hyperbole at all. So that's the, the role of, of the, the Aussie Wire is to be that hub, that place where uh, people can come on, reporters can come on that already have jobs with other networks. And, uh, and we will simply say, hey, this is this person from that network. And there are actually people that have signed up. I, I can't tell you who it is yet because that's not public. Um, but there are people that have signed up and, and other networks that have agreed to work with us. And we will have journalists, salaried journalists who are working for other networks coming on and bringing us stories. And what we do in return is we say, hey, this is this journalist from that network. And if you want to see more about this story, you need to go to that network and actually, and actually learn more over on their website. So what we're doing is we're, we're really becoming like a hub where all of the other existing channels can be spokes on that wheel. And we're sending audience out to, to anyone's interested in this story, go over there. If you're interested in that story, go over there. If you want to learn more about this, come and, you know, come and have a listen to what that person's got to say. And we're very much forming a hub around which we hope the Australian alternative media, the people with integrity, uh, are going to be able to really rise together. Um, I want to note that you chose mm -hmm. to launch this week on Anzac mm -hmm. Day, and I'm sure there was some yeah. convenience with with scheduling and, and your ability to get ready at that time, but I'm sure there was also deliberate strategy and, and um, mm -hmm. poetic communication in launching this quest for a free and independent independent media on Anzac Day. Tell us a little bit about the values mm -hmm. of Anzac Day, which... Um, which you think, yeah. uh, I mean, I wrote about this briefly this week on Anzac Day, um, saying that their name has been taken in vain by so many people for mm -hmm. the complete opposite mm -hmm. of the things that they fought for. Um, so why did you yeah. start the Aussie Wire and launch it on Anzac Day? Yeah, so let me, let me, there were three reasons. And let me start with the first two, which are actually the by far the lesser reasons. They really were matters of convenience, as you say. And then the final one's the one that really matters to me. Firstly, uh, yes, it was possible to do it. We, uh, when this project actually got funded and, and I had the ability to get started was only three months ago. Uh, and so we've been working flat out for three months. I've moved house. We've built a new studio. We've got all the equipment. We've lined up all the guests. We've got the show formats figured out. All you know, the the branding, the social media, the website, all of that has happened in, in just a space of 90 days. Um, and I'm incredibly proud of my team. We've, we've done, you know, and they've done just an incredible job to get us to this launch point. So there was that matter of convenience where this was in the ballpark of when we could launch. 
There was also some personal significance. And again, this is still one of the lesser reasons. I'll get to the big reason next. But one of the lesser reasons was it so happens that it was on Anzac Day in 2020 that I was invited to speak at the very first formal anti-lockdown protest in Victoria. Now, I didn't organize that protest. I didn't pick the day. That was just the day and uh, that someone else organized. And that was out at a place called Trafalgar in the southeast of Melbourne. And that is when I called out Daniel Andrews for his human rights abuse for the first time. And, and yeah, and, and I copped all kinds of abuse, uh, you know, being disrespectful to veterans and all kinds of accusations from people that had no idea what was going on uh, and no idea that it wasn't my choice of day. Uh, that, was, that was just the day that had been organised. So for me, there was some poetry in three years on as a result of the hell that I've been through in the intervening three years. And, and for those that don't know, I'm still fighting criminal charges and all sorts of nonsense out of, out of my activities standing up for human rights during the COVID era. And so there was some poetry there for me to be able to go on the third anniversary of that day when I took a really fateful, life-changing decision and said yes to speaking at that protest. Uh, three years later, here I am. Uh, someone has backed me. I've got funding and uh, and we're launching a, a really exciting new media platform that is going to change the face of Australian media forever. So there was some poetry for me there. But really fundamentally... What I spoke of on that day three years ago and what I spoke of since at other, at other events and, and protests was the utter and absolute disrespect that our, that our political class has for our veterans. They use them as props. And many veterans know this. You speak to them in private, they know this. They don't show up to these big public events because they don't want to be used as a political prop. And these suits, these, these political class, political animals stand up the front there and use you know glowing language about our veterans, which our veterans deserve, and they they speak of freedom and they speak of sacrifice and they speak of all of these things that they have absolutely no understanding of, and they're not speaking about them because they actually care. They're speaking about them because they politically need to be seen to be speaking about them. They need the PR. They need the Channel Seven, Channel Nine, Channel Ten news to be putting them up on the screens that night. That's it's a political stunt, and they're using our soldiers as a backdrop. I want to see an ANZAC service when not a single politician gets up the front. Then I'll start, if they're there and they're paying their respects and they're just standing in the crowd, invisible, not set apart from all of the other people, that's where our politicians should be on that day. And the only people that stand up the front should be veterans themselves. They should be the ones doing all of the formalities up the front. Uh, and then I'll believe that politicians actually care and actually want to pay their respects. But for as long as they're getting that attention and that, mo that moment in the sun, it is all about them. And it gets worse because it's those very same politicians that are actually piece by piece stripping away the very freedoms uh, and the very quality of life that our Anzacs fought for. There was a reason they went to war. They believed in something. They believed in the Australia that they lived in or the New Zealand in the case of obviously New Zealand Anzacs. They believed in where they lived and the values and the freedoms that we had. And it was thanks to them that we built just one of the most incredible places to live. And I, I won the lottery when I was born here. I'm, I'm not hating on Australia at all. It's a phenomenal place to live. But bit by bit, layer by layer, like a, like a potato peeler, we're stripping away those freedoms. And we saw that happen very, very quickly during the COVID era, but it's been happening for decades, little bit by little bit, piece by piece. And it's being done by those very same politicians that stand up at, at the Cenotaph on, on Anzac Day and grandstand and talk all about freedom and all about sacrifice, whilst using those soldiers, those people who made those sacrifices as props for their own political purposes, as they take away the very rights and freedoms that those people fought for. I just think it is one of the most sickening and cynical exercises of PR that I've ever seen in my life. I, I, it, it turns my stomach. And so when I realized that we had the opportunity to launch on Anzac Day, 
And not to not to disrespect Anzac Day or divert attention away from where it ought to be on Anzac Day, we launched in the afternoon specifically to avoid the morning. That morning is where the, the services happen and where our attention should be 100% on, uh, on the veterans and remembering and honouring their sacrifices. We launched in the afternoon for the purpose of saying, hey, we're on to you and we are going to stand up for the truth and we're going to stand up for freedom regardless of what the rest of the media does and regardless of what our political class do, we don't have to fight a war to defend our freedom, at least not right now, thankfully. But we do still have to defend our freedom in the ways that are relevant in our world right now. And that means politically and in in the war of ideas and in the media. And that is exactly what the Aussie Wire is designed to do. And that is why I felt it was appropriate to launch on the afternoon of Anzac Day. The three values you've said uh, the Aussie wire is going to be founded upon are truth, freedom and hope. Mm. And I can get behind and say amen Mm. to prioritising all of those three things in the culture. And I think what we've seen Mm. over the last three years uh, is, and and this is, I guess, an agenda that I'm happy and proud to be part of in particular, is Mm. re-educating the Australian culture. Because I think the parliaments and those those opportunistic, cynical politicians you've just described so well are actually a reflection Mm. of a majority of the Australian public who now very clearly value safety more than freedom. They've forgotten Mm -hmm. the Mm. value of freedom, the importance of freedom, the indispensability of freedom and and the foundation of freedom that everything we've come to enjoy um, as prosperity in the West uh, is predicated mm. upon the battle for freedom that so many of our ancestors bought, uh, fought, yeah, yeah. even centuries before Australia was was thought of. Um, and, mm. and that is something that I think is a, a massive need for us all to be talking about constantly until it, it seeps through culture. Hang on, freedom yeah, is actually yeah. more important yeah, yeah. than safety. Safety is yes. nice, but freedom is essential. Um, mm. So can, can I comment on that? Yeah, please. Can I, can I can I just throw something in there? There was during the COVID era, I was uh, I was working with some Americans who had a podcast over there, and they were reaching out to me and um, asking me for my thoughts and my advice because they were looking at what was happening in Melbourne and what I was doing about it, and they were inspired by that, and they wanted to to understand more. And they asked me what they should do and what America should do in order to avoid finding themselves in a situation similar to what we were in in Victoria or Australia. And my answer was very very simple. I said, get back to your roots. In America, they have a constitution, a Bill of Rights, also you know the first 10 amendments uh, to the constitution. They also have the Federalist Papers, which are an extensive set of letters, and then also the Anti-Federalist Papers, where during the era when they were debating and arguing about what should and should not be in the constitution, these incredibly intelligent, articulate, well-educated, hard-working men of integrity were writing letters to each other and to the public to argue the case for what they thought was the right way to go with the American constitution. And in that that, um, in, in those roots of the American Constitution, there is phenomenal depth and and absolutely brilliant political thought. Now, sadly, not all of it actually made it into the Constitution, and then since then, of course, we've seen America turn into what is pretty much a basket case now, which is why I was saying get back to your roots. But I'd give the same advice to Australians. Um, we actually need to get back to our roots. Now, we actually are blessed, again, with a, what is actually a very well-written Constitution. Perfect? No, but it, it was very, very good. We do have a number of letters and explorations of the reasoning behind our constitution and why it was written the way that it was. We also have a thousand years of political history before the writing of our constitution, going back to obviously well-known events such as the Magna Carta, etc. And understanding the people 
behind those events, what was done, what was written, what was said, and why why they failed in certain ways, why they succeeded in other ways. There is an incredibly rich history there. And getting back to those roots and understanding the journey, the shoulders that we stand on to enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy today would, number one, cause us to value those freedoms a lot more and would also educate us in how to stand up for those freedoms a lot better. Yes, absolutely agree. Now, uh, let's talk about the other two values, um, uh, perhaps very briefly on the topic of, of truth. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, uh, I think the so much is obvious and doesn't even need saying we, we don't want to be lied to, we don't want to be misled, we don't want uh, political mm-hmm. uh, or, or commercial bias um, screening our, you know, pharmaceutical sponsorship, um, interpreting what kind of news we get. Uh, we, we want truth. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I think one of the cultural things that needs to be again changed is an appreciation or a contradiction of the philosophy that's postmodernism um, that there's such mm. a thing as your truth and my truth as opposed to objective sure. truth. There is there is validity to say that there are different perspectives. So there can be different perspectives on a single issue. Truth is absolute. Sometimes it's very difficult for us to be certain whether we've understood that absolute truth on any given issue. This is why we have juries in court cases and sometimes they don't all agree with each other. They're all trying to figure out what the truth really is. There is an absolute truth of what happened, but we don't always have all of the information to be able to know for sure what that is. And so on the one hand, yes, we need to absolutely stand up for objective truth. On the other hand, we need to be humble enough to accept that sometimes we're not the ones that have that have understood that correctly and that there can be areas of uncertainty. And so this is the balancing Act, that anyone really that we all need to play in our own life, but certainly anyone in the media needs to have the humility to recognise. You know, even even Scripture says it, every man, uh, the, the the first person to plead his cause seems right until his neighbour comes and examines him. If you're only looking at one side of the story, of course you're going to be well. That makes sense. Yeah, that's completely true. But then someone else comes along and puts a different perspective on the same events, and you go, oh, actually, this is this is a little bit less clear than I thought. So there is certainly a balancing act to be had there. But where I think we can we can say we've gone very, very wrong is that we've got a situation now where we know that the mainstream media said many, many things that were untrue. We know that our politicians said many, many things that were untrue. And we know that because we have the documentation now, and I'm thinking in particular from Pfizer, we have now, thanks to freedom of information requests, documentation showing what our politicians knew from Pfizer. And we also have record of what they said to the public, and those two things do not match up. We know that they said things that were directly contradicted by the information that they had from the the source people that they were assuring us, oh, no, this is all fine. Well, actually, Pfizer themselves said something different. Then the media went on to completely uncritically repeat and parrot what those politicians had said without any question, without any skepticism, without any investigation. And that's where we end up in in a really, yeah, that's where we end up in a really serious problem where you know people talk about Pravda and they talk about you know sort of Russian disinformation during during the US USSR how they deceived their own public and, and the media were just mouthpieces for the government well I'm sorry but how how are we any different now and I'm sorry but Sky News were as bad as anybody else um, you know Fox News in the US were terrible there was some disgusting commentary yeah. uh, from certain personalities we trusted as conservatives mm-hmm. uh, towards anybody who dared mm-hmm. to dissent from the lying harlot narrative it was it was mm-hmm. uh, it was appalling and and you know i'm more than ready to forgive those people when they demonstrate repentance 
Um, that doesn't yeah. mean those people who were criminally negligent and failed their duty of care should get away scot-free. Yeah. But I'm happy to move on. Yep, yeah, agreed. If they say, I got it wrong, I was so wrong, I'm really sorry, please forgive me, and I will change my behaviour. All of those things are, are necessary. In, in terms of the, the media response, uh, for me, an apology and, and a demonstrable change of behaviour would be enough from some of those commentators that, you know, I, I, I was rarely named personally, but I was named personally from time to time. But certainly I was thrown in with a lot of insults towards protesters and uh, people who were concerned about the impact of lockdowns and, and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of personal insult that's come from some of these personalities directed towards me, uh, either individually by name occasionally or as part of a group very, very regularly. Now, I'm very happy to forgive that, as you say, once they demonstrate repentance. Where I do think we need to bring justice is against those people that had a duty of care in the form of senior medical people, government people, etc. Uh, and they can repent and they can ask for forgiveness and they can change their ways and I will forgive them, but we still need to see them prosecuted and held accountable because we have to set a standard that, that others that follow in their role and others that follow in their footsteps and have that power in their hands in the future understand that there is a standard that will be upheld. And yes, at a personal level, I will forgive them. I will pray for them. I will hope to see them in heaven, but they must be held accountable for their failures. Uh, and in some cases, uh, not just negligent failures, there, there are examples of reckless failures uh, and possibly even intent. Uh, and uh, that's for a court to decide. But we need to get to the point where the courts are deciding that. Quite apart from from forgiveness at a Christian level, there is a standard that must be upheld. There is there, there there is accountability that must be brought and justice that must be brought. There are people dead as a result of decisions that were made by people in positions of power who had the information they needed to know better. And those people need to be held to account. Yeah, I agree. Topher, talk to me about um, hope. This is one of the values you have, and, mm -hmm. and I can admit, um, and you can probably relate, um, as can most people <laughs> on, on this side of the camera, is that sometimes we're, we're non-stop responding to uh, those lies, those deceits, those abuses, those tyrannies, um, yep, those yep, oppressions, yep, yep. and, and it's criticism. We see the guys in, and this is the job. This is certainly part of the job to, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. see the, mm -hmm. the power that's being wielded and accumulated and, and talk to the appropriateness or inappropriateness of it. And there's more to say about inappropriate abuses of power um, than jobs course, done well. And, and that could be by yeah. nature of rates of incidents. But talk to me about hope. How is the Aussie yeah. Wire wanting to imbibe hope practically as uh, part of its value and content offerings. Sure. So truth, freedom, hope, that's, that is our, our promise. That is what we are about. And, and the way that works is we speak, tr we speak truth in defense of freedom in order to inspire hope. And I, I go on to say in, in order to inspire hope and courage, because those two go hand in hand. From my perspective, this is a lesson that I learned on the streets of Melbourne during the Battleground Melbourne era, was the number of people that I spoke with who would come up to me because they'd seen my live streams previously or knew of, of my work, and they'd say, this is my first protest and I've never felt better. I feel amazing. And they'd been sitting at home in despair and fear and hopelessness without agency, without any sense of control, watching the Dan Andrews press conferences and thinking, oh, when will this nightmare end? And it gets to you. It gets to, into your head and it's, it's horrible for your mental health. And then finally they go, right, I'm getting out there. I'm going to join these protesters. And it changes everything. It's not that joining the protest changed everything in terms of the circumstances. 
but joining the protest changed everything about how they felt about the circumstances. That victim status changed. They went from sitting there going, when will this nightmare end, to sitting there going, I'm standing up for what I believe in in spite of the nightmare that I'm in. It's not that it, it fixed the problem, but it changed everything for how they saw it. Hope is not actually a thing that exists uh, as a consequence of your circumstances. It exists in spite of your circumstances, and that's a really important concept to understand. So the way that, that the Aussie Wire brings hope is by giving people opportunity and understanding on how they can act. And this, that's going to become much more apparent in the next two months as we have some some wonderful projects that we're going to be launching uh, that people can, you know, can be a part of. Uh, I'll, I'll drop only this hint. I think that local governments and local councils are a really key um, point for us to be focusing on. I think that they are relatively easy for, for those that love freedom to, to get elected into and to, to begin to have a tremendous amount of influence over. They have a surprisingly large impact on our lives. Uh, and if we have enough local councils on side, there's a lot of these really big multinational things like the 20-minute cities, et cetera, that are being pushed for that become very hard for them to implement without the support and aid of local councils. So that is just one example. And, and if we get together in enough numbers and we work together and we support each other, uh, then, then we can really start to make a difference. And at the very least, we can start to make things tricky for those who are trying to, to exercise their power over us. So by speaking the truth in defense of freedom, we want to inspire people to have the courage to actually take some sort of action whatever that may be, whether it's with us in one of the projects that we're going to be running, whether it's with any one of a number of wonderful organizations that are, that are doing incredible things themselves, get off your butt, get off the couch, stop feeling sorry for yourself, stop, stop feeling that despair and feeling like life is happening to you against your will and get involved in people that are actually shaping the future. Uh, and, and in that way, hope rises. It's, it's just inevitable. It can be no other way. Hope rises when you start to exercise control over your life. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and and hope is that, that very important thing that we need to have. And uh, one of the things that I will criticise about um, commentators on the right, independent media, is when they mm. effectively encourage people to give up hope, when they encourage yeah. people to stay at home, not vote and, and not bother because mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. reason A, mm -hmm. reason B, reason C. And, and I think yeah. that yeah. is the single greatest secret for the enemy to disarm us and, and to mm. take us out of the fight is to take our hope um, so that we don't even yeah. turn up on, on the battleground. Um, and, and what better me, way to me, win than me, to steal our hope? Let me make a comment on that from a Christian perspective. I am a Christian and, and I know obviously who I'm talking to and, and the podcast that I'm on. When you, when you look into scripture, it's a really fascinating thing. Uh, let's take, for example, the captivity of the children of Israel in Egypt for 400 years, okay? There were people who were born and lived and died in that captivity. It was not their role in God's timing to see the salvation happen. Their role in God's timing was to pass on the promise of salvation to their children so that they too would have that hope so that eventually the generation that saw that promise fulfilled would be there and they would understand that it was God. They would understand the hand of God in that moment because all those generations that never saw the fulfillment of that promise passed the promise on. Hmm. And I sat on the steps of, of uh, Flinders Street Station during one of the protests. It was one of those ones where they'd called a snap lockdown at 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. at night and we showed up to protest and we stayed until after the, um, the, 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 the cutoff and the police started moving in, etc. But I said just before that cutoff came, I said, I don't know 
what the outcome of, of our protests is going to be. I don't. I mean, I'm not here because I think that I'm some Hollywood star where I'm going to get the happy ending and everyone's going to be like, ah, that's not how life works. I'm here for a very single and simple purpose. I'm here because I value the freedoms that I was given by my ancestors and I will do my darndest to pass those on to my children. But more than that, I'm here to make sure that history remembers that there were people who stood. And the example I use for this, there is a, a black and white photograph from World War II era Nazi Germany, where there's a whole bunch of dock workers all doing the Nazi salute. And there's one dude standing there and he's like this, right? It's an iconic photo. You can search for it online. Uh, I think his name was Landmesser, something like that. For a long time, we didn't actually know what his name was. And what's really fascinating to me about him is that when he did that, he did it because it was right. He didn't know there was a photographer there. He didn't know that that was going to become one of the iconic images that would forever record the fact that there were German people in Germany who did not support the monstrous Nazi regime, right? But that image went on and we remember that there were people who stood because we have images like that. And for me, during the COVID era in Melbourne and, and the importance of making Battleground Melbourne for me was to leave that lasting legacy. Not that anyone knows my name necessarily, but the history will record that there were people who stood. And when we look back at the captivity of the children of Israel in Egypt, history records that there were people who faithfully passed down the promises of God to generation after generation after generation, so that 400 years on, however many generations that turned out to be, that hope had not died. The hope of the salvation that God had planned for the children of Israel in captivity in Egypt had been passed on. Hope is independent from circumstance. And that's what, that's what we're talking about when we talk about hope in the Aussie wire. Preach it, Topher. Love it. Love it. That'll, that, that sermon's got legs. Um, all right. <laughs> Announcement on Monday and news on Tuesday. Your first news episode is coming out on Tuesday. Yes. Uh, you're doing a, a Tuesday and Thursday, twice weekly, 4 p.m. Uh, news episode. Yep. Um, tell us about that yep. and, and then um, tell us uh, where people can watch on Monday to, um, to find sure. out who this international guest is that you're sponsoring. Uh, jump on the Aussie Wire social media and at theaussiewire.com. We will do a blog post about it. We will be posting about it uh, because we are major sponsors of this particular speaking tour, uh, a, a special guest that's coming internationally to Australia. Then on Tuesday, excuse me, we do release the very first episode of the Aussie Wire News. So the Aussie Wire as a network has launched. We don't have any shows yet. The first show is the Aussie Wire News. And as you say, that's a twice weekly Tuesday and Thursday, 4 p.m. Can I suggest the most important thing every person can do today is subscribe to the newsletter, uh, the mailing list. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's very, very important uh, that we make the good source, uh, ADH TV um, and the Aussie Wire independent and not reliant upon big tech to be able to communicate to you. Yeah, correct. So jump correct. on that newsletter and uh, and then have a pray about, think about other ways that you can support and, and be involved. Surely uh, consuming, watching, reading and sharing the content is, is also uh, super important. Um, mm. Topher Field, thank you so much for being my guest on the Church and State Show. 
David, thank you so much. I've enjoyed working with you in the past. I, I love the church and state conferences. Uh, you and I have been talking about some things that might happen later this year. More on that later. I'm just going to just going to drop that out there and just tease that a little bit. Um, but look, I think there's really exciting times ahead. I think I, I said um, last year, and I was maybe a year early, but I said at the start of last year that people are getting organised and the pushback is starting. Yeah. And and I think we're really now beginning to see some of the fruits of that and the hard work that so many people have put in over the last year is now starting to pay off in a way that's visible to the public and and our launch is a part of that your ongoing success of your conferences is a part of that and let's just keep pushing yeah amen well that was my guest uh, Topher Field uh, evidence of the saying that hard times create good men uh, and good men create good times um, if you would like to be kept abreast of exciting announcements like those plus the weekly content please head to my website davepello.com where you can see recent episodes of The Church and State Show. You can subscribe to my weekly um, email updates and you can also become a monthly partner, uh, sending us into the media space to continue and increase this good work. That's the website, davepello.com. You can also find me on most social media channels at Dave Pello. That's it for this episode of The Church and State Show. Look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Goodbye. Today special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.